on this edition of the Cubs Recap Podcast, a presentation of our YouTube channel and available audio only everywhere you get your favorite podcast. Gordon Whitmire and I start talking about the Cubs as a blue chip stock and what would it take to get Otani? Welcome into the Cubs Recap Podcast, presentation of our Recap YouTube channel. Also, check out our brand new website, thecapman.com. We've got merch for sale. You can sign up and get alerts on everything we're doing, thecapman.com. With Gordon Wittenmeyer, I'm David Kaplan. All right, Gordon, you had a chance to buy in when it was a penny stock. Now we're an effing blue chip stock with Craig Council at the helm. Money to spend, people who want to be here. What do you got to say now, kid? <laughs> it's hey, man, it's still a penny stock. I don't see any dividends getting paid out just yet. We got to wait and see what they add to this, what their product eventually looks like in the marketplace, my man. Then we'll find out just how blue this chip is. I, I do like that. I tell you what, you know what, the best thing for, for the Cubs that signing council did. The best thing of all was it was a torpedo to the whole of the Milwaukee Brewers because yes. now, not, not just that they lose their manager, managers can be replaced if you have players. They're going to – I talked to Matt Arnold at the GM meetings. Um, he did suggest that they the plan right now is to keep some of their guys who people think are on the trade block. I suspect that's not entirely going to be the result, but he, but he did admit – this gives us a chance to rethink some things. If they even take a half a step back, then you're talking about a massive step forward for the rest of the division as there, as every team in that division is trying to improve enough to get to the playoffs next year. And so uh, that's, to me, the biggest result for the Cubs, the biggest positive result that you can point to with any uh, sort, of, sort of tangible impact right now in, in signing council. Great move that way, no doubt. So, as uh, my friend, my cousin Vinny, I don't really know him, but I call him my friend. As he said in there, it's okay. Go ahead and say it. They all know if you had to bet today in Vegas who wins the NL Central, most intelligent baseball people, of which you are one of them, would pick the Cubs. Dude, it's wide open. It is wide freaking open. And I'll tell you why. The St. Louis Cardinals might be the most aggressive team out there in trying to add multiple starting pitchers. If they do, and I think they get Sonny Gray for starters, they, they will be a contender for that division title. We already think that the Brewers are going to take a step back. Fine. I don't think the Reds are ready to win the division, and I've seen them up close the last few months. The Pirates aren't going to be. So the Cubs and the Cardinals – as we sit here right now, look like they have the most potential, but they have to fill their roster to that potential. But you're not spending $40 million on a manager where he talks about the health of the organization. And I understand what I'm walking into, the pressure of this job, and I've always wanted that challenge. You're not doing that unless you got plans to go out and get some Dude, dudes. I agree. Tick, 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 tick. 
He's on the freaking clock, and even more so, Jed's on the freaking clock right now. We we think they're good. We think they're in on Shohei. Terrific. Do they get him? I don't know. That may even be more about Shohei's ultimate decision than it is about whether the Cubs are willing to compete in that marketplace for him. With us knowing that whoever he goes to is going to get a boon in added revenue to their bottom line, right? So yes. he's going to, in part at least, if not in significant part, pay for himself. So, and the, and there's also there's also um, a lot of us, I think, pretty informed speculation out there that because of where he is with the with the Tommy John, he's not going to be able to pitch for a while. His market might just skyrocket three years from now. There might be a series of opt-outs in, in a, in a two and three year, uh, even, even if you gave him a 10 year contract and he accepted, there might be opt-outs after year two, after year three, and it might be front loaded, or he might, one report out there, Jeff Passan, um, who, who's been following this pretty closely suggests that he might even be in the market for a huge AAV contract that's shorter term for that very reason, all of which could keep the Cubs in play if that's a place he wants to be. The DH wasn't there when he turned him down the first time, but he also seems to be a guy that might be more comfortable on the West Coast. We think the Dodgers are going to be heavily involved. So the Cubs could go in hard and still not get him. I'd watch the Juan Soto market. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. We'll get to that in a second. Somebody I trust who's been a great resource for me in Major League Baseball. He works for a team. He said, let me just tell you something right now. The Mets offered seven and a half million and Jed went to eight. And Tom, what I was told was Jed called Tom and said, hey, this is going to be something I think I think we can get. Are you comfortable if I do this? And Tom said, you run baseball operations. I don't. If you think he's the right guy, don't get outbid. Whatever it costs, if you think he's the guy to take us to the World Series, go for it. And so well, I hope the hell that uh, Tom is uh, holding his baseball people accountable because he's always said that's the way he operates, right? He gives them a yep. budget and lets them do their job. And there's no reason to think that hasn't been the case so far. The criticism that I've brought to the table, sometimes you have, is how much resources, right, that he's given his baseball people and for what reasons. So, but but he has been pretty consistent about you're the baseball people. He doesn't go try to make baseball decisions. So if this is a great decision that Jed thinks it is, then then it's on Jed that it is that it turns out that way. One thing about Craig Council, right? We talked about this on the emergency podcast last week when it yeah. when it happened, right? You can probably count on one hand managers that we all feel with the eye test and maybe even to some extent the the, the metrics and certainly the track records that haven't have a positive have have like a measurable positive impact on wins and losses over mm -hmm. the course of the year, course of several years. We've thought for years that Craig Council is one of those guys. The difference between him and Francona and, and Bochi and, uh, uh, and Dusty is World Series appearances, never mind World Series wins. Um, he, he's gotten plenty of teams to the playoffs. This has often been a forgiving division to, to reach that goal. Uh, what he's done in the postseason has not been really impressive. 
is that on him? Is that on the resources? Doesn't provide quite the depth in the roster. He had Josh Hader and 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 uh, Devin Williams in the same bullpen with frontline starters and didn't get it done. So uh, and he's had multiple MVPs over the years. So uh, there's 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 reason to not just be giddy and assume things. I think he's a terrific manager. Obviously, Jed and the rest of the Cubs front office and ownership believe the same thing. Now they've got to give him the players that allow him to prove it. And they have the resources to do that. You go this big on a manager and you damn well better use those resources. All indications are they're going to. Now they've got to land some of these players. They need a legit starting pitcher in my mind, and they need a legit middle of the order bat. Those two things, if they don't get them, it's a failed offseason completely agree with you and the person i was uh, alluding to in mlb said to me dude craig council was never going to new york he would have taken less if the Cubs, he said zero less than zero chance he said he literally would have taken the brewers money two million less than go to new york he wants to be with his kids he wants he's got Two in high school in Whitefish Bay, one at Minnesota, one at Michigan playing baseball. He said, I can promise you he would never in a million years have taken the Mets job. Ever. I, don't I don't believe that he would have taken two million less to go back to Milwaukee uh, and, and, and spurn a better offer from the Mets. I don't believe that because why even go down this road then? I don't believe that. that he, he went into this part of what he was doing was trying to raise the boats of, of a declining um, market for managers in the game. We, we saw the salaries uh, drop a lot over the last five years or so. And uh, one, of the, one of his objectives was knowing that he could help that reverse that trend a little bit, or at least do, do his part. That was part of what he was doing. Yeah, I was told. I think he was- would have taken less. He might have driven up the brewer's price. Maybe he didn't want the Mets as a first choice. I don't think he would have taken less. Certainly not significantly less. He would have need he would have needed to have a 2015 level uh, um, set the market type of a manager salary back when guys were making five six million. The Brewers were at five and a half, and I was told there was no scenario where he was going to New York. None. Not going to live there. Not going to be away from his family like that. This way, he can get a condo in Wrigleyville. He can have his house in Whitefish Bay. His wife and kids can finish school. They can go back and forth, spend the winter in Wisconsin. We're good. Here's the other thing. I was also told. He could have still gone back to the Brewers. And and he would have even been closer to home. Yeah, he, he really wanted this Cubs job. And in fact, he said... This was his dream job to take on this challenge. Of course he dream, did. Dream well, job. After you sign that contract and you're meeting the press and you're putting on the uniform, of course you say that. Take it for what it's worth, Cap. No, I believe it. Okay. You know why? Maybe it's his, true, but but his, I'm not going to believe it on its face. His agent was my high school teammate. Yes. Is it agent Barry Meister? Yes. We went to high school together. Oh, okay. I know Barry. Barry's great. Barry's an awesome dude. That's awesome. fine. That, that that doesn't mean that it's his dream job. 
It just kills you that here come the cubbies. It doesn't kill me that here come the cubbies. I just you you, you crack me up, man. You're you're all fanboy on this stuff. Where's the I, critical eye, my man? man? Look, they are going to be. I Jed gets criticized or Ricketts does when he says intelligent spending. I don't believe that they're going to go out and go. Here's five hundred million for Shohei. Here's two hundred and fifty million for the Japanese pitcher. Here's another three hundred million for Soto. There's a hundred and seventy million for yeah, Cody Bellinger. No, well, first of all, no, no team's going to do that because there's going to be strong markets for all those players, and there's lots of teams in play. So right. even if they wanted to do that, they wouldn't get that done, and that's not their mo. But getting one high-level hitter like that, a left-handed hitter in the middle of that order, and getting a high-level starting pitcher. I still like Aaron Nola, although it sounds like the Phillies are going to try real hard to bring him back. Um, Yamamoto, maybe. he might. We don't. The, the, the problem with him is he hasn't pitched in this league. I mean, nowadays, the, the scouting is so much more sophisticated – and you've got so much more track record of guys having made that transition that you can probably project pretty well. But I still like a guy that's done it in the league already. And especially when you're looking at a guy because of his age, you're probably going to have to go uh, extreme commitment with him. So, um, you know, some people are saying Nola might get seven years. Uh, what's Yamamoto going to get? Ten? I don't think anyone's given a pitcher ten years. I would, I would hope not. That would, that would, that would be a, a record by a lot. Um, so, I, you know, we'll, we'll see how how that plays out. Um, they got to get one of those guys. They got to get, they got to get a a front line starting pitcher in my mind. I'm also hearing now again, maybe this won't work out this way, but I'm also hearing that there are multiple teams. They like Cody Bellinger. They question the exit velocity that he finished oh, yeah. the season with. And they said, you may find Cody Bellinger getting far less dollars than people speculated. Well, let he me ask they you They don't this. see a scenario where his contract of guaranteed money begins with a two. Well, let me ask you this, fanboy. So you got, you got Cody Bellinger, who you've loved all season long. We need to bring Cody Bellinger back. Um, at one point going into September, we both talked about how he could be an MVP candidate, even with like, like if he had a big September that led these guys to the playoffs, you'd have to, you'd have to really consider him certainly top three, but you might have to consider him top two, even with those monster guys at, at the top of that MVP candidate list. But he also spent what two stints on the IL along the way, did not finish strong. And this exit velocity thing, I'm not, I'm not into that, but he's, he's not Rod Carew either. Right. So, so when you're talking about a, a slugger, a guy that can hit 40 home runs, so exit velocity does matter. And if, if, if those are question marks because of the metrics and baseball people are, are saying, well, maybe not. And he's got the three years before that, that don't look good. And even this year, when he had the bounce back, comeback player of the year season, he was on the IL twice and didn't finish strong. Do you want him back for a multi-year big money contract? No. Okay. Now, if you said to me, 
Cody Bellinger says he's going to come back and they're going to get him at four years for a hundred. Okay. I'll take, I'll roll the dice. Maybe I'll roll the dice. Play gold glove level first base. Yeah. I'd, I'd I'd rather stick him in the outfield because you get more value out of that glove in the outfield. Yeah. If you tell me he's going to play some center and some uh, first, and then Pete Crow Armstrong is going to make the ball club and, you know, they'll ease him into center field. Okay. Uh, at that type of, but am I going seven and eight years as had been speculated during the summer when Cody was killing it? No, I'm not. But I said that then. Yeah. And the thing so, is, all he needs is one team to come in and say seven years. I, I believe in what I saw when we scouted him this year. I believe in what I saw. Before right. Here's 210 million for seven years. Right. And, and I, bye bye. I wouldn't be shocked. Um, it's going to be a, it's, it's going to be a really strange, wild market this year. I think both in terms of free agency and trade. Um, and I do think, you know, given, you know, what, what we haven't said again, we've said it in the past, his agent is Scott Boris. He's not going to, he's not going to, uh, have him sign a contract like that anytime early in the, in the off season. No. So it would have to be something that played out late by the time you play it out into February, the Sotos of the world are off the board. Um, the show show show. might be off the board by the winter meetings hearing some people talk. And, uh, and then, so now Bellinger's the top of the bats that are left and teams that really need that or feel that's the one piece they need as we get through January and into February, he might get what he wants. Okay. So if I said to you, they're able to sign Yamamoto, the pitcher, and they add to their bullpen. Pardon me? What do we think that's going to be? Seven years? I think he's... Oh, boy. Uh, Seven for 210, something like that. And uh, and the biggest contract they've ever given out is 184. Okay, keep going. Okay, if I said to you, they signed the pitcher, their bullpen, wow, looks really good. They're after a Japanese reliever, and there's a handful of other. Wow, bullpen's locked in. Jamer Candelario is penciled in as your third baseman, and you traded for Juan Soto, but you do not get Otani. You do not get Bellinger back. Would you call it a successful offseason? Yeah, Yamamoto, you short up your bullpen. You got Jamer back. And you got Soto for one year. You haven't extended him yet. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's one hell of an offseason. Correct. Uh, I'm not sure what I'm not sure what their interest level is in Jamer at this point, um, based on some of the buzz I heard at the GM meetings. Okay, so if they let him walk, who's playing third base? Don't tell me Nick Madrigal. I, I don't know. I mean, you you, you would backfill that, um, you know, mix and match. Look, the, the big thing is they have run prevention at enough places, especially in that all-important middle infield, like nobody else in the National League, and, and maybe only, I don't even know, two teams in all of baseball um, that – and and if you 
if you maintain some of the outfield defense that you've put together the last couple of years, then it's about bats. And when you're talking about the non-pitchers, it's it's about bats. And in my mind, that's about going and getting a big left-handed, real middle-of-the-order bat. And there's a couple of them out there that we've talked about, and maybe three if you count Bellinger. But those are those are the highest priorities. They're also the biggest expenses. So you go, you go get those guys. And really honestly, cap, I figure out third base later because you got some guys that can handle it here and there. You can mix you it. Sign Matt Chapman. Well, sure. You know, he did not have a good last three months. No, he didn't. Did and, not. And his overall numbers weren't as good as normal. Um, but what's, what's the price tag? And what's the and and does that cost you getting these other pieces that you desperately need that you have to have to, in order to be the team you want to be next year? Doesn't I do feel you like you have to get a number one starter? First of all, people. Well, you got just a buddy of mine goes. We well, got Justin Steele. Justin Steele soared past his career high in innings. Yes, he is a two-time Tommy John guy. Yes, I love him. You better have a backfield option at. I got Justin Steele, but I got Yamamoto or I got Aaron Nolte. You better get somebody like that. What you need is it doesn't have to be a number one. It's got, but it's got to be a front line. And by front line, I mean a guy that can arguably be a number two on almost any staff. You know, those kind of guys. The, the aces, aces are, are really rare. We can get into a whole conversation on what constitutes an ace and how many are actually in baseball uh, these days. Uh, never mind, like, 10 years ago, even. Um, so does it have to be this guy that's going to be the ace and, 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 and be Jack Morris in game seven of the world series and pitch 10 shutout innings? No, of course not. But it's got to be a guy that arguably could be a number two, just about anywhere, a guy like that. And there's plenty of those guys out there. You get a guy like that and you got steel and by the way, steel's left-handed. That's nice. So this guy can be right-handed or left-handed. You got you got Tyone, who's not going to have a worse season, I wouldn't think, unless he's hurt. You got uh, Kyle Hendricks, who doesn't have to be the man, you know. So you got if, if those guys are at the back end of your rotation, whatever else you got in there, and you got young guys coming, you can do something with that. And in this day and age, look what the friggin' Diamondbacks did for God's sake—they had two functional starters going into the playoffs. Well, your first rounds, three games, your second rounds, best of five. That's all you need to, to, if, if you can win the games that they start now, now you start getting into how are we going to cover a seven game series. But to that point, what we just described, if you got a third starter in there, who's either hot or just can give you innings. And then another guy that can give you multiple innings as a piggyback, now you got something that's not what they had to do when they got to the World Series, when they had a bullpen day. Um, so, and if you've got left-handed, what, what have we seen in the last few uh, World Series, the last few postseasons? Left-handed, frigging middle-of-the-order bats win. Whether it, yeah. was the, whether it was the Phillies getting as far as they did the last two years with all their left-handed. But look, look at what Bryce Harper does in the postseason, for God's sake. If he had more around him, he'd, 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 they'd have won the World Series the last two years. You look at uh, Corey Seager's been an MVP, a World Series MVP twice. This is what big left-handed bats do for you. So I look at you got 
Number one thing I've got to get, and look, I think it'd be amazing to have Otani in this market. Oh, my goodness. We would be doing podcasts seven days a week. People are like, I, I can't get enough of this guy. And I believe you could pay for, let's assume it's $500 million. I think from talking with people in the industry, you could pay for half of his contract simply by correct, proper marketing in Japan. Oh, it, I agree. It, it's insane. So all you might now, you might be able to make the case you could pay for his entire contract it, it, between Japan, between um, marginal increases in ticket sales that that might not be there otherwise, um, and all the an- ancillary uh, uh, revenue that comes with ticket sales. Well, they're also one of the twelve. They're not one of the twelve teams that have sold the jersey patch. Only twelve have. If you have Shohei Otani in a Cubs uniform, right? Hi, I'd like to be on your jersey worldwide. I'd love for Shohei to have on Zenny Eyewear or Walgreens or whoever it is. And I've I heard do. the price is twenty five million. In the world, right? I've heard the price is twenty five million a year. Maybe that's shooting high. I don't know. But if they're able to get Shohei Otani at ten years for five hundred million. All of a sudden, I just paid for half of his contract just on my 10-year jersey patch deal. No, I'm, I'm with you. And, and I, think we, I think we all reasonably agree that, let's say, if you overpay him $500 million, $550, whatever you're overpaying is, is, is in, the, in a market for a baseball player, now you, you defray half of that with, with bottom-line revenues. And, and like any star player that's getting – big money, you're going to defray some of that with marketing. But to him, it's another level with him, obviously. Yeah. And if you've got another country that supports it. Exactly. So now, so now do we think as a baseball player only what he can bring to the competitive product, he's worth half of that? Oh, hell yes. So I agree with you, but let me ask you this. I, 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 this question has been burning in my mind, like as it relates to this market, right? This market, or if you were to go to the Yankees, what was it? 2022, I think it was 2021 or 22. He was in town and I went out um, to the White Sox park and it was, uh, what was Suzuki's first year? 20. Uh, he's, he just finished his second. So it was 2022. So yeah, April or May of 2022, I went down to Sox Park to get Mike Trout because Suzuki had said, I love you, Mike Trout. I wanted to find mm-hmm. out if Mike Trout also loved Suzuki. Mm-hmm. So and and Trout was terrific. I got him on, on video talking about it. Well, Shohei Otani was sitting right there. And I didn't have like I didn't go in there looking for him or expecting him or anything else, but he was sitting in there during media availability, which is not a very long time during the day. Um, doing nothing, sitting at his locker, doing nothing. And his interpreter was right nearby. So I thought, well, I'll go ask him a really quick question about say a Suzuki and, and see what he has to say. So I went over there and, uh, I, I didn't know how much English he spoke because you Darvish uses an interpreter, but, but speaks, you know, good enough English. You can communicate in English with him. Uh, so I, uh, Started talking to him. He kind of looked at me quizzically. Uh, I, I got I got his interpreter over. I said, "Hey, I just want to ask him a quick question about Suzuki." 
Oh, he, he, he's not talking. I said, what do you mean he's not talking? He's, he's just sitting right here. He, he's not doing anything. It's just a quick question about Suzuki. Well, he doesn't talk on, on days that he doesn't pitch. I, I said, he never talks on days he doesn't pitch. Are you kidding me? I said, why not? I mean, you know, I get it if he's doing something and, but if, if he's here when it's media access time in the room, I mean, right. why not a simple question? He, I said, he never talks. And so as this conversation is going on the whole time, he's just mute. He won't say a damn thing. And he pretends like nobody's there. The media relations people come over and, and say, Hey, there's something going on here. And then the two beat writers who were on the trip come over. Hey, what's going on over here? Is, is Shohei talking? I, I, I said, I said, well, apparently not. Is this policy? And so, no, no, it's not policy. It's just what he decided. And that market, which is second in LA, allowed it to happen. And I wrote a column about it. Now, all kinds of idiots on social media, including uh, Justin Verlander's brother, who took me to task on it um, uh, because apparently they don't have reading comprehension skills. I was not ripping Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani might be the greatest player to ever live, never mind currently on the planet. And he brings a lot to this game and he brings a lot to whatever team has him. But my question that I raised was, can the commissioner's office like this, the highest profile player in the world only talks every five days. If he pitches every five days after he pitches to the media which is an extension of the fans. This is the only time he's publicly available to anybody. Uh, he seems like a good guy. You see him laughing on a bench all the time. Teammates seem to like him. I, I don't have any grudge against him. And by the way, this has nothing to do with my, I, like I, I couldn't care less. Like it, I can still do my job, whether he's around or not. It's not about a media guy grousing about availability of a player. That's his prerogative in any given moment, not to talk to me. Fine. He can tell me to F off. I've had plenty of players do that. That's fine. But, but is this good for baseball? And then now that was my take on it. Then when he played for the angels to think of him playing for much, much, much higher money for a record contract in a place like Chicago on the North side or in the pinstripes in New York, something like that. How do you think that policy plays there? Do you think that that policy would continue? They would struggle to try and have it that way. They try and get a hold of it. There is no possible way he can go to New York, Chicago, Philly, Boston, and try that. Not going to fly. So if that's the case, does that impact? Like if this is the way he likes it, does that impact his choice? Wow. So does he go play in Milwaukee? Does, does he, he go, go back play to in Minnesota? Does he go? The, or if he, he goes back to the Angels, it tells me he does not care about ever winning. Okay, let's let, let's put it this way. What if, what if he goes over to L.A., the, the Dodgers, which is the same media market, they know him, I mean, it's the same outlets that cover both teams. And while it's a large market, and it's certainly a big revenue team, even compared to the Angels, it's still the same media market 
it's just still the same baseball media market. And maybe, maybe that influences a comfort zone thing for him. Or, or does he, or, or does this whole process make him rethink that policy? And he comes out of his shell a little more publicly. I think if he gets the 500 million or more, the team that signs him is going to say, we would love for you to be here. You're going to have to be more accessible to the media. We're not telling you you have to talk seven days a week. We're not telling you you have to sit at your locker and let all comers have access. We'll help control it. But I do believe you're going to be the face of our freaking organization worldwide. We need a little more. You got to go to Cubs convention. You got to do this. You got to do that. We're giving you half a billion dollars or more. We need a little bit of give. We'll meet you part of the way. And I think that is how it'll go down. And by the way, the guy who told me that Craig Council under no circumstances would have ever managed the Mets also told me there is zero chance that Shohei Otani will play for a New York team ever has zero interest. Yeah. It doesn't matter how the Yankees could be here financially, the Cubs and Dodgers here. He's taking the Cubs or Dodgers or whoever else. He's not going to play in New York. Yeah, that's interesting. And by the way, what goes into a decision like that before you've ever talked to them could come into a play for a Midwest team. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, and, you know, the other thing when it when it comes to this this uh, just this notion of uh, I, if he if this is a guy who doesn't isn't comfortable in the spotlight a lot um, he just wants to go play baseball and and do it as well as anybody in in, in the world ever has uh, cool. Um, if he were to do what you su suggested, if he were to agree with what you suggested, hey, uh, we need to give just a little more. If he gave a little more, see, this is the part of the equation that I think a lot of people don't understand, even with a superstar like that, because I think you, Darvish, found the same thing. You, Once you talk once in a while, when the beat writer needs you or maybe a national guy comes in and, and you set something up and you go talk to that guy you don't, you get left alone most of the time. Correct. Like it, it reduces the demand on you. Correct. Uh, and because, because the thing that the fans want to know, whatever it is in the moment gets answered and you move on. And Agreed. a few days totally later, agree. you know, something else comes up and you know that, and, and this is the thing. And, you know, at me, all you want on social media, this is not about a, Oh yeah. You beat writers all, but hurt that he didn't get an interview has nothing to do with that. I could write my, I could write my stories and do my job without, with everybody telling me to F off. And sometimes it's felt like that actually. Yeah. <laughs> As you know, cap, yeah. uh, uh, this is, remember this, this one. Did I go? Did I go? Did yeah. I, go? I had that another was... player, another player actually pulled me away from that interview after I was the only that one. That was Marlon bird. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Marlon bird. Yeah. And, 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 we don't need to talk about Marlon Perk. Anyway. By the way, just a quick aside. You and I used to both work at NBC Sports Chicago. So Marlon Bird and I get into it. And I mean nose to nose because they were wearing the F the go F dot 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 the oh, go. Yeah. And I blasted them on the post game. 
and he threw his bat down at batting practice when he saw me walk onto the field. We trusted you and you blasted us. Blah, blah, blah. We're nose to nose. Yeah. And basically, we didn't talk for quite a while. You we wore the shirts on the freaking field in front of the fans and media. I, and I said to him, if you wore the shirts and the, the gates weren't open, whatever, have a laugh. I got little kids calling the radio station going, what does that mean? And yeah. parents that were upset. So it is, I don't know, three, four years ago, right before the pandemic, I'm sitting at my desk at NBC. We have baseball night in Chicago hosted by Layla Rahimi, who's a friend. They're auditioning analysts. I'm sitting <laughs> at my desk writing Sports Talk Live, and I look up, and there's Marlon Bird standing in front of me. Big as a house now. Nice guy. He walks by. He goes, Cap? I said, hey, Marlon, how are you? He said, oh, man, um, I know we got sideways. I'm auditioning today. Are we cool? And I'm like, hey, man, we're good. Have at it. Good luck. I hope you kill it. And we're cool now. But, yeah. Whatever. It's the way they are. All right. We'll put a ribbon on this. When are the winter meetings and where are they? December, uh, what is it? Uh, I had the, I had down there December 3rd, which is a Sunday, and they're in Nashville at the uh, Gaylord Opryland Hotel. Which, I've stayed there. My God. Well, have you covered winter meetings there? Yes. Yeah, wow. That's the only time I, I've been there. Well, you got the two towers, and I had to go. And, it, of course, NBC. Three or four lobbies. Is, yeah. Is there a chance Chuck's unavailable? Could you cover both teams? Well, the, <laughs> the Cubs were in one tower, and like 5 to 5.30, you got Jed and Theo. And then the White Sox were at 5.30 in the other tower. And I'm racing down the elevators. If anybody who hasn't been there, this is like a, we're talking massive acreage under like a, a dome. Yes. Um, like it's one big arboretum almost. And yes. uh, there's massive restaurants and bars and lobbies and walkways and Good luck. I mean, just trying to find people. You'll get your steps in. This place is so big, Cap. You know what I was told? I was told that since we were there the last time, they put in an amusement park inside that place. Yeah, it's insane. And that was one of the winter meetings where Kenny Williams looked dead at me and a couple other guys. He goes, you stay out of White Sox business. You remember that? <laughs> <laughs> that was the best. Hey, man, have a great rest of your day. And I look forward to talking to you soon. All right, man. Sounds good. You too. All right. We'll have another episode right before Thanksgiving. Not sure anybody's going to be signed by then, but you never know. This will put a ribbon on this edition of our Cubs Recap Podcast, the presentation of our recap channel here on YouTube and available audio only everywhere you get your favorite podcast. For Gordon Wittenmeyer, I'm David Kaplan. You have a great rest of your day. Take that.